Gobble, gobble. Welcome to the show. <laughs> what can I get started for you? Hey, could I just get a coffee with one cup of no classic and like. That's how you order a coffee. That's all. Thank you. That will be in the podcast for sure. <laughs> gobble, gobble. <laughs> um, I think you never did an actual intro, right? I usually start the episode. Yeah, okay. you're the brains behind Perfect. this. I'm the I'm the brains. So we start with a new podcast episode. You heard it. I'm the brains with no topic prepared, and with Kat, who has like brought fifteen open questions from her subscribers. So she will basically lead through this whole episode uh, once again, and uh, we have some quite quite interesting topic or maybe topics today. Um, what is it all about today, Kat? So something that a lot of people have been asking me if I saw was that um, Exotic Slayer had to euthanize his OBT, who is very infamous, Mrs. Lord, have mercy. So rest in peace to her. It's very sad. And I noticed that a lot of people had questions about tarantula euthanization maybe the best methods um, or when it's time to consider doing that. And I honestly haven't ever euthanized a tarantula. There's probably been a couple times that I could have and maybe should have, but I didn't because um, I generally haven't been put in a situation that pressing. Uh, but I know that there are a couple different methods that are a little bit more popular I'm wondering if you have ever had any um, situations when you euthanized a tarantula. Yeah, I actually do. It's like, I think most most of us who keep tarantulas are at one point or another, like confronted with the fact that, yeah, they have to euthanize uh, one of their tarantulas uh, because maybe they're sick or, or they're injured and you, you can't really save them. So on my end, I actually had to do it because the the one specimen I had um, was actually not behaving normally, and there was some signs of like not injury, but uh, more of a like like a virus or anything. So the symptoms were quite drastic, and I think it's called the DKS, uh, the dyskinetic syndrome, yeah. where you it's just in the end they're just symptoms, and you don't really know uh, what it causes, but. Right. Uh, I was just not able to save uh, the tarantula in the end. So I put it in the freezer and mm -hmm. that was like 15 years ago. Yeah. And uh, that was the, the best idea uh, the people gave me when I started the hobby back, back in the days, like just put it in the freezer. You, you have to honestly release her of, of her problems. Not much has changed because I still see that recommended the most. Yeah, true. It's quite often. So is that one of the, methods you you see recommended the most or is there only other methods I would definitely well, yeah uh, i would say I'm that's the most of. popular okay um but i i did read that a lot of see here's here's a a question that i ask myself too when a tarantula is suffering like are they really suffering like every time because sometimes i feel like it's better just to let them naturally like go through the process because even though like we see it and it seems like maybe they're suffering. Like, do they really feel that? Or is it more of us, like, seeing it and feeling it for them? Mm -hmm. um, because I, I don't know. Like, with my Ecampus stratus that was impacted, 
you know, she didn't seem to be suffering until the very end, or at least there was no indication that I I could see that would have, you know, made me think that something was wrong Mm -hmm. really seriously. But, um, you know, if I had known that she was impacted and the result would have been death, maybe I would have euthanized her. But at the same time, it's like, I think some situations it's better just to go more natural um, yeah, absolutely. if you can. Yeah. But if it's like an urgent matter, like you said, with like DKS, dyskinetic syndrome, um, I think the freezer, I know it's like debated if they suffer or anything, but like a good idea, I guess, that I came across was put them in the refrigerator for a little bit first and then put them in the freezer. Mm-hmm maybe that would be better i don't yeah, know that's that's actually the method um you should prefer doing um but but maybe another story first because we, we were talking or you was mentioning that it's not sure if the tarantula actually feels any pain or anything um yeah so i was under the very same impression that it's an invertebrate um and it's not like a, a mammal or anything so they probably will not feel uh, the same pain as as we do or as as dogs and cats do um so but here comes the story it was like 2012 where i was um, in nicaragua learning spanish and collecting spiders under permits for a research project and for like two months i collected various tarantulas there and there was the the time when you you had to like kill the spiders off for the museum because you can't Mm. deposit them alive it's not a zoo it's a museum Mm -hmm. so i was forced basically due to the project to like kill these adult tarantulas for science Uh, they were completely Mm -hmm. healthy um but since some of them were new species and some of them were like just new um, localities of the very, very same species, which needed to go to the museum, we had to put them in alcohol. And oh. if you have ever put an adult Avonopelma semani into a glass of 99% alcohol, you're probably thinking that they will suffer quite a lot because the movement they do when they die, it's horrible. Yeah, it's quite a sad story, I know. And uh, but at the very same time, I'm I'm pretty sure now that this was a horrible horrible idea. Even though like some other researchers mentioned that that's the way they do it in the field. Um, but from that day on, I I've never never done it again because I never wanted to see an an animal in general, but but specifically an animal I I admire and I have a passion for. Uh, to see suffering because just of my intention doing something scientifically with them so uh since that day the method you mentioned to put the specimen or the tarantula first in a stage where they they're not very aware of this uh surroundings and environment is is probably the best way to do it so i usually use uh now in the field um baking soda I just mix baking soda with water in a cup of plastic or whatever and put the spider inside them without making uh, the spider contacting that water um, stuff. And in this 
plastic cup, there will evaporate the CO2, which like it does not kill the spider, but it what's the English word for it? Like when you when you go into a coma in a hospital. Yeah, like it goes to sleep. Yeah, it goes or... to sleep completely. And then you can do whatever you have to do in the end. And the spider is not aware of the, the whole procedure. So that's nice. Yeah. So still for the for the freezer, I, I, I do not put them in the freezer. Um, my Directly. spiders at home because I'm pretty sure that they will suffer at at some point or some degree. Um, yeah. So I usually try to uh, yeah put them to sleep first and then do the stuff we have to do. I see. Yeah, that's probably the most humane way that I've heard of. Not saying that like the freezer is like all bad because I know a lot of people do it and they like swear by it that it's the best me best method, but. Personally, I think I would try to, to do something like the refrigerator or maybe that CO2 method mm. first, just because it seems like such a shock to go from like, you know, warm and comfy to like freezing cold. It's not like an instant kind of death. So it's, I don't know, it's really sad. I've always been that crazy person with like scissors trying to cut the molt off them. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Waiting. Try whatever possible. I've just but, always been that person. But was there ever a stage but where you, you could not do anything for them? Probably my huntsman, my H. David Bowie was like the worst. And I did cut the molt off, but I knew that it wasn't mm. going to make it for long. And it didn't. But it did eat. Surprisingly, it somehow managed to eat. Um but there was no way it was going to live. And I knew that it probably wouldn't. But I just thought, like, naturally, like, in the wild, when they get stuck in a molt, um, it they, you know, they die naturally. And I personally, like, would choose to, to just let them go naturally in that situation. Um, if it was, like, something like... Um, I don't know. There would there would be situations for sure I would euthanize a tarantula for. One of them being probably like an abdominal like uh, injury that I couldn't repair, mm. or nematodes, um, something that would possibly impact the rest of my collection if I kept them, you know, in the vicinity of them. So I would probably euthanize in those situations. But as for like a stuck molt, uh, I haven't had to yet, at least. Yeah, lucky. Let's hope that it stays that way i feel like i don't have as big of a collection as a lot of people and i know that's kind of laughable because i have like probably 70 to 80 tarantulas but um i feel like people with like the larger collections are going to come across that much more often and maybe that's why i've kind of not had to deal with it yet i don't mm. know yeah sure bigger amount of spiders definitely leads to more potential candidates who are like yeah, not not doing well. But uh, I think molting problems also sometimes just have to do with the the size of like their enclosure when they're just in a too small sized enclosure. Sometimes they're not able to molt correctly, and then you have that phenomena where they just get their their molt stuck to their to their body. So I think that also happens in bigger collections when the people just have like quite a lot of tarantulas and quite many of them and they just can't get big enough enclosures for for each and every of them. Yeah, I've also noticed that um, usually and I don't know like if this happens a lot, but for me, um, I've had some tarantulas molt upright and those molts always seem so much more difficult for them to get through. And I have no idea like why a couple of them mm. will do that. 
but I fortunately all of them have pulled through but it just seems like afterwards they're always like I've had one of them go into death curl afterwards and then I give them you know water and they bounce back eventually like I've had that happen a couple times and it seems like those upright molts are like the worst yeah probably I never I never had the spider doing that luckily but or at least I don't know of, of anyone my spiders did it but yeah I heard of that that kind of uh, molting process but it's funny because especially the young specimens like when they like just hatch from the egg sac and they're like first and second second mold um they usually use gravity to mold also the the terrestrial ones like the big pamphobitius and xenestis these are yeah. like they they're crawling upside down on their burrow from the mother and they're hanging there like spider-man and just molting down just like a huntsman will do it's like the big ones can't do that but for the smaller ones it's it's obviously way easier to use just gravity and and flow through the whole molting process i don't know were there any special things in this in this video from exotic slayer or did he try something beforehand or you know it's kind of interesting so what he did he went online and he typed in tarantula euthanization euthanization and he looked through like different you know threads on arachno boards and on youtube and blogs and stuff like that and it, it had a lot of the methods especially the freezing method is like very popular um but he ended up euthanizing it with water and dish soap and i know that method um i personally never heard of it before but i do know that it did upset a lot of people and like the fact that you said you you did euthanize some tarantulas and um alcohol kind of reminded me of of what he did with the soap and water where Hmm. i i don't i didn't watch i honestly didn't watch that part just because i'm very sensitive to like animal death but i think the the part with water and soap is like when you when you're sexing uh, your tarantula based of a of a mold um, and you get the mold um it's like completely stiff right so you can't really see it underneath the microscope so you either put it in alcohol um which makes the whole mold like um flexible or you put it in water with soap. Um, yeah. So I use water with soap mixed all the time because it breaks the, the surface area of the water and the mold of the tarantula can actually sink in and suck up the whole the whole water and then gets flexible again. So, yeah. but it's not a way to euthanize a tarantula. So maybe mixed mixed stuff up without, I haven't, I haven't seen the video, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I. I saw that there was like a comment that he read that somebody said soap instantly kills wasps or something. Oh, okay. Um, so I guess they like applied that to tarantulas. I, I don't know if it instantly killed his tarantula because again, I, I skipped through that part. Mm-hmm. But the fact that alcohol didn't instantly kill your, those of Ponopoma Samani mm-hmm. kind of makes me think that soap wouldn't, instantly kill them either yeah, just because alcohol not. is so much stronger mm. although i do feel like alcohol would be a little bit worse just because it like burns um i don't know i really i really don't know i think yeah <laughs> it's still like when you're in the field you don't have the same methods uh, and possibilities right but when you're back at home it's like the best thing when you use um the cold for for this scenario so the freezer stuff is certainly 
certainly a good option but when you combine it like put the over 90 percent alcohol in uh in minus degree celsius freezer stuff and then you cool down the whole bottle of alcohol uh, you have like a combination of of these both worlds which will definitely yeah make make the spider go go sleep forever um yeah but i think the whole part before me. would be more necessary to to not make make a make it suffer so the part mentioned with you like put it in the in the fridge first cool it down or um use the co2 method just to put her to sleep and then later on yeah yeah i don't know i hope that i don't have to, to figure that out at some point <laughs> but that's certainly best um, practice but if i if i had to i would probably do refrigerator to freezer um but yeah it, it kind of reminds me too you know have you ever kept fish nope mm. something like what i noticed a lot of fish keepers not now but like maybe more newer people they will say if like a fish has problems to just flush them and I remember there was like a, I read before that the toilet water instantly kills the fish. And that is so not true. Yeah, of course not. Like yeah. d doing more research now, I know that the toilet bowl does not instantly kill mm. the fish. So it's just like, oh, uh, like looking back in hindsight, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? It's like, ah, oh, damn, I wish I read more. Yeah. Strong topic. And it could be applied to many different animals, I'm, I'm guessing too. Yeah, most likely. Don't flush your tarantula. I did see that too in his video. Somebody said they flushed a tarantula. Wow. I don't know why anybody would try that, but bad idea. Honestly, and I, I hate to say it because it bothers me, but the quickest way to probably kill a tarantula or a spider is squishing it, which nobody wants to do. I couldn't do it, mm. yeah, but I think that would yeah be the, for sure. It's like it depends, way. of course. If you need the spider afterwards for maybe research, then you can't really squish yeah. it. But of uh, course, when she spider has a, has a problem, then that will be the fastest way for sure. And but that's like a little bit more of a gory mm. death that people. And when you have a big specimen, that's a mess. Yep. Another thing I thought we could maybe talk about is when we lose a tarantula, like. I notice people react differently. Some people are just kind of like, eh, I lost it. You know, it, it, you know, maybe they do care, but they're just not going to say mm. they do much. But then I also notice other people, it's like, you know, they're really upset about it. And there's a few spiders that I've lost that I'm still mad. I lost. Mm. And there, there, I definitely, I cried over, I think two, my Ecampus stratus female uh, I definitely cried over that. And also my adult female, Afona Pluma Samani, that got stuck in her molts like two times. Mm. And I like managed to save her both times. And then she randomly died one day. And I'm just like, no, like after everything I did and she still didn't make it. And that that was like over two years worth of attempts to, to keep her alive. Yeah. So I was really upset about that. But then for other tarantulas I've lost, it's not that I don't care. It's just kind of like, it doesn't impact me as much, I guess. And, and I know that anytime I say, oh, I lost this tarantula or something, I get mixed reactions. But I remember one person commented on a video and they were like, I hate it when people pretend to be upset about it. Like it's a dog, like you don't need to fake it or something. And it's like, well... I definitely don't think that it's the same as losing a dog or an animal that bonds to you. That's just my opinion. 
but that doesn't mean it doesn't upset me sometimes. Yeah, but it's the question because of what reasons it does upset you, right? That's true. Like if it, if I feel like it was my fault, I definitely mm. feel worse than if it came about naturally or um, maybe if I intervened and I tried to do something and I didn't save it, then yeah, I do feel worse. True, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't really say that I'm affected or connected to my spiders as with a dog or a cat. So that's certainly not. But as you mentioned, it like solely depends on the reason why I lost the tarantula. And it it definitely hits hard when, when you know that you made a mistake. And uh, think about it afterwards that you could have done better or you could have done put more research into it and the spider might be just still be alive. So that's for sure. And I was upset quite a few times already in the past just because of that these kind of mistakes um, I made. So, but it was not the same as if I would lose like a when I'm when I'm a dog I would be a dog person that's certainly a whole different connection what you have with with your dog than with a tarantula yeah. in my opinion at least um but maybe 100%. yeah maybe there are people out there who are connected to their tarantula as others with their dog so that's maybe, true that is but, true yeah um, certainly not for me and then there also you have the part where you're maybe upset because these were like the only five specimens in the hobby and you just screwed up oh. and there is no re no no um possibility that you are able to to establish a like breeding group of this this species so yeah yeah that would be really frustrating so when we think when we talk about that i have some very bad news I just lost oh. my adult female Tifuclena celadonia. No. Yep. And mated female. Well, actually, no. she was not longer mated because like one week ago she molted mm. and she took some food and I was a little bit upset because I just mated her with a male like one month ago and everything was perfect. And now she molted like one week ago and I was like, okay. Not so bad. She's still alive. She takes food. Mm -hmm. But now she's dead. Do you know if it was connected to the mole? Uh, probably. I think it was also too much stress, maybe. Um, the specimen was not quite quite huge or quite big. So it was like just the first mold after they mature. So she was quite a young female. And probably she was mated too early uh, with the male. And I don't know what, what else also like did it but uh it can happen to to any specimen but this is like quite quite bad uh yeah that would be i would i would cry okay if you cry it's <laughs> because i would <laughs> i would i think anybody would especially if they're paired oh my god yep. i'm sorry about that i just had a h pulchrapes that i've kept for a couple of years now it's really gained size it was like maybe mm, almost three inches and it molted and it was fine. And then it died. Like before I even fed it or anything, it molted mm. fine, then dead. I have no idea what could have happened. Yeah. Um, there was water. There's definitely a full little thimble full of water. Mm. So I don't know what happened. But sometimes I feel like internal stuff happens when they molt. And sometimes uh, there's just something going on that we can't see. So that definitely could have been something that happened with your T. Solidonia. Yeah, for sure. And it's like the lessons I've learned for a long time already it's like 
you can be the best keeper on the planet, there will still be specimens who die off for no reason. And mm -hmm. you can do all the best research and how you care for them. There will be individual specimens who just like maybe are not healthy or maybe have a problem. Otherwise, you can't really see. So I think that's the risk we always have. And that's why I try to be not as mad as I've been maybe <laughs> a few years ago when I when <laughs> I lost some specimens. So it's still sad, but uh, yeah, I try to not be too too much connected to them. Yeah, there's there's definitely like a handful that I just I have these personalities assigned for them. They have oh, you names, do okay. You know what I'm saying? And there's just like a handful of my tarantulas that I definitely like place my own emotions onto, knowing that it's not reciprocated. <laughs> but um, even comparing them to like more interactive animals that know me, that you know, you my bearded dragon, it knows me. It he probably knows his name. Um, he's really smart. And so there's like a bond there. So I feel like you, even the ones that I care about the most, I can't compare to like an animal that really bonds back with you. Mm. But like, I get it. Like, I totally like feel really upset when I lose, you know, any tarantula, but especially a T. Celadonia female or yep. my, you know, E. Campostratus female. Well, yeah. It's just so... Well, I can't say mm. I've seen the specimen often, so... Yeah, it's like due to their living style. It's not not a species you you have in your collection, which you you're going to see often. You only see them when you feed them for a second, or when you just disturb them and open the trap door. So, yeah, they're they're very beautiful. But I think despite the the fact that they're not that present in the hobby, and it's a loss because every specimen counts in the end that we can keep this species in the hobby. I would be more upset when I lose like one of my Brachypelma Hamori or Aurotum because I see them all the time. They're like, yeah. that's these are the two specimens I see every day, especially now when I work from home due to the whole pandemic. Um, yeah. That These are the ones I see every day and I think I would be more upset losing them than the adult female T. Celadonia. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like definitely. Like I, I had a mantis, a dead leaf adult female mantis i had raised from a tiny little um i don't know what you call it when they're small that small nymph i don't mm -hmm. know <laughs> but um you know i raised it up and i had it in my living room on a shelf and every time i came home it, as soon as i walked through the door i saw it there and um then one day i walked in and she wasn't where she usually is and i looked at the bottom of the enclosure and i was just like no like mm. it was awful it was so i was so upset and so I ended up, um, I put my jumping spider in it. And so now I'm super connected to my jumping spider. Every time I walk by, it runs up to the glass. It looks at me and jumping spiders are smart. I don't, I, I'm, I think they're really interactive and just <laughs> yeah, they're very smart. Visual, so yeah. now I'm very, um, invested in this jumping spider and it's so scary because, you know, they don't, they don't live, long. live the longest. Nope either mm. and she's like she's a huge adult female and i'm just like oh it's gonna eventually it's gonna happen again i will i will probably yeah. be very sad yeah i can totally get it it was like a phase i had like five or six years ago when i kept four or five different species of jumping spiders yeah at one point i had more jumping spiders than than tarantulas like i had like <laughs> 10 tarantulas and maybe 15 jumping spiders and they were just they're so more 
much more interesting than tarantulas when it comes to their behavior. Yes. So yep, I, I know what you mean. She, so she has I, I put her in like a pretty large like exoterra and I made mm, nice. really nice enclosure and she she has like a little like area that she webbed up and we like pretend that it's her like bed and like we'll be like oh she's going to bed and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, they're super cool and very active yeah. and with the visuals like you you could put food in them and they actively hunt for them and yeah yeah, yeah they're, they're very, Jumpings, they're i noticed great. that the the jumping spider keepers it's interesting because like tarantula keepers do not handle like that is like the main thing like the main everybody's like don't hold your tarantulas but for jumping spiders like i see them like trying to teach them tricks on no, really. and like is like trying to get them to trust them and handling and stuff and i'm just like oh my god it's so different <laughs> for them yeah they're nice they really are but yeah so maybe another spontaneous topic because i just started it what do you think about the fact that we maybe don't need every species of tarantula in the hobby just like a species you have because it's very colorful but you don't ever see them so <laughs> yeah. what is your opinion on on that part because As you know, we get like weekly almost new species of tarantulas enter the hobby. And I think most of them are, it's not needed in that kind of amount. And some of them are also maybe not ideal to keep as pets. Yeah, if they're not going to thrive, for sure. That like it, I feel the same way about camel spiders. They really don't thrive in captivity very well. So I don't mm -hmm. really feel like it's like the best choice for them. But at the same time, it's like, I'm not going to tell people like what to do or anything, but I've just never been that person that's like, oh, I need this new species in my collection. I've never been that person. I don't personally care. I don't want to spend a lot of money on something that I'm probably not going to see or enjoy mm -hmm. or might not survive long at all. So that's not me, but I like understand it. But it's just not me. Yeah, I think we had a similar topic already on the podcast because it was about an velvet ant i think where they were just collecting velvet right, ants yeah, and they were like why are you doing these because it's like yeah they're not made or made like no animal is made for captivity but there are certainly species who are driving well in captivity and others won't but uh, yeah it just came to my mind yeah. because like the whole tifoglaena genus there is super beautiful tarantulas but uh in the end let's be honest you don't see them You you just see them when you disturb them, when you open the trapdoor, take a picture and close the trapdoor lid. And in the end, you just have yeah. a, a trunk, a tree trunk in your enclosure, but there will be no spider ever to see. You know, crazy. that is actually, um, I have my Chinese trapdoor. I don't remember the exact species, but, you know, the Oreo bud mm -hmm. trapdoor. The Ciclocosmia, I have that. Yeah. Yeah, and I dug it up a while ago just to make sure it was still alive and stuff, and I rehoused it, you know, and I had somebody comment, and they were like, I don't know why you would keep it if you never see it, and, like, that's, like, a legitimately valid question. Did I really, like, I really enjoy it, and I like looking at it, but I never see it. Yeah. And even Tom warned me before I ordered it. He was like, you're never going to see it. They're the most boring things ever, yeah. but I for some reason i was like i want it mm. i want it it looks so cool i want it you know and so I, i guess i can understand it to an extent but 
Yeah, I don't ever see it. I, I do see its butt now, though. Since I rehoused it, I do see its butt. At least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's certainly <clears throat> a question I, I ask myself a lot lately. Because when I go through my collection, there are specimens and species of tarantulas I see all the time. And then there are others which you almost never see. And uh, it's like, why you have them? Just to take a picture, maybe make a video, yeah. and then you're never going to see them again so yeah lately i'm yeah. uh more more interested in just seeing pictures of them online and then i realize oh i have one back at my place but i've never seen it it's like it's crazy <laughs> yeah. i see more pictures of i don't know Lurognathus uh johnny sposatoi online than i see my specimen ever so they're just fossorial in their turret and you never see them and maybe like i guess and something maybe we don't want to admit but like maybe we just want it because we want it because we can you know what i'm saying absolutely yeah that was the point i was or the, yeah. the like the whole procedure i'm thinking about lately you you get them because you can and then you maybe add another species to your genus collection but how often are you able to see them it's like that's true. Yeah. It, I do have to say, though, that lately I've really gotten into preservation and taxidermy and stuff like okay. that. So I would definitely be open to getting things later on just to taxidermy them. And that that's exactly why I got um, one of the ogre face from Tom. He told mm -hmm. me, you know, this one is not doing good. It's going to die soon. And I said, that's fine. Send it to me because I want to put it in resin. And sure enough, I got it. It didn't even eat. It died like a week or two later and I put it in resin. And so, and I made that very clear in my video too. I was like, I'm just getting this because I'm going to put it in resin. Mm. Like I know it's going to die soon. So like, I kind of, I think they can have a purpose uh, maybe afterwards if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I can't just like throw something away. Usually like I, I definitely like to, to preserve it if I can. Mm. And so that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, sure. No, I was like, the last couple of years, it was more of a hobby to collect the tarantulas so that yeah. you have a collection of all these different species. And it didn't really matter if, if you see them more often or not. It's like you have them in your collection. You can take a picture of them if you want to. And if yeah. someone asks, do you have this species? You can say, yes, I have it. And uh, yep. But lately, I just think, well, I would like to see the, the animals i have in my collection that i'm also thinking about uh, maybe starting with um, some some dart frogs because you yeah. always see these little dark dart frogs the poison dart frogs <laughs> and it's like yeah. when you you can't really travel at the moment and i don't know how this will evolve in the next couple of months and years how easy you can travel to south america and enjoy nature there maybe you just need to get a patch of rainforest back at your place and get some life in, in this whole, um, yeah. how do you say, like room. And with the tarantulas, some of these species I have, there is some presence and you know that there is a living tarantula inside the enclosure and with others, just mm -hmm. not. And it's like, but I think it changes over time. There are years where you, where you focus more on collecting and then there may be years where you focus on active jumping spiders. You know, it's, um, it is a, I guess a collection. Like I know some people don't like it called that, but it is yeah. kind of collecting. Do they have to be alive to collect them? You know, you can have a nice collection of dead specimens. So maybe if you don't enjoy them while they're alive, 
you can I enjoy a few of mine more than I mm -hmm. did when they were alive because I see them all the time yeah. now you know and same with my trap door like that's definitely something that I I'm definitely not looking forward to it dying but I definitely will preserve it and then I'll I'll see it more so you mm -hmm. know that just food for thought maybe if if you have a few that you don't see much you can always that's always an option that you can yeah. try for all of you out there if you want to get a tarantula just download some of the good pictures online <laughs> get it on your phone it's cheaper and admire them there before you think about getting one sure. yeah it's definitely cheaper to do it that way i yep. guess or watch some of cat's youtube videos oh thanks <laughs> easier and cheaper yeah there's definitely some that i will like some species that i admire through other people's videos that i wouldn't keep so yeah, yeah definitely don't cut this out martin is me i am yeah i am he is so mean to me yeah the struggle is real there is like we have to put things out well-structured topics you you can we, learn something we work differently though we are completely different because you're a structured oh, yeah like person prepared i am the complete opposite i am like okay we let's do this right now this is what i'll make something up on the fly and that's how i literally function and that's how every single one of my videos comes about for the most part i rarely know what i'm gonna say beforehand because i am completely different than you that's crazy. <laughs> so i drive i'm sure i drive you crazy you have a bad influence on me <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll just wing it. Even in school, I was like that. It was like, oh, I have a huge project due tomorrow. I'm going to wing it. And normally, I would totally wing it and do fine. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. so we wing the podcast from now on. Just That's spontaneous not, with no, <laughs> no thoughts and topics put in beforehand. We do everything on the fly. No, we just will have an outline. that's it. You don't need more. Than yeah, that. that's true. You fill in the rest of it. Yeah, you don't need an outline. yeah I, I can easily get like these new English words I have to use w on the fly like without I haven't even heard from them. <laughs> it's like there's no need that I know how to to spell euthanize. I just say it exactly because I never talked about it in English before, but yeah, works well. It, I think it also depends too what kind of media you like to consume because like I like more casual, laid back, you know, stuff like that, relatable content where, but I know other people like more structured, like, um, yeah, I, that, that's just not. Nothing, nothing else should be, uh, this whole, this whole podcast. It should not be as structured as in, in a video. Exactly. I'm going to corrupt you. So. I'm, I'm going to corrupt you, but yeah, thank you everybody for listening. And I hope that you guys are all doing well and staying safe. Um, we will talk to you guys soon. Martin, do you have anything to add? Nope. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, send us a message and share the podcast with anyone. Thanks. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm out of English. We did it. So. <laughs>